So, okay. Lord, we thank you for this, this evening, for this opportunity now to, uh, to get back together to study your word. Thank you for the, the refreshing break we had, Lord, and the holy days in between and that we're still in the midst of. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to each one of us here tonight, Lord, on this very important topic of what goes on uh, in the realm that we don't always see. So we pray that, that what we don't see, Lord, would become very evident to us tonight, Lord, as you speak through Rabbi time. So we just commit this time to you in Yeshua's name. Amen. First of all, I wanted to express appreciation for the fact that you are here instead of listening to uh, a particular debate. Uh, and uh, as, as I was telling Yvonne, it's my fervent hope that you will come away with greater fruit than what you would have gotten listening to uh, uh, the two contestants. Uh, not because I'm speaking, but presumably through our discussion, you will be hearing the Lord speaking. Well, it's got something to do with what we're studying tonight. Yes. <laughs> now, I have to tell you that I've been teaching Scripture for about 40 years. I've never taught on spiritual warfare. Not specifically, not like this. Yes, you're right. Um, and you might say, why speak about spiritual warfare in a Messianic Jewish congregation? You know, uh, we want Hebraic roots. We want to know about how... Uh, Yeshua was Jewish, etc., etc. Well, a couple things. Um, if you talk to anybody who is involved in working with Jewish people in ministry, they'll tell you the same thing as I'm about to tell you. That for one reason or another, we experience a greater amount of spiritual uh, opposition and warfare than standard ministries do. This is not anything about us. It simply is because uh, God has a plan for Israel and Satan, Satan, the opponent, uh, is opposed to what God wants to do in and through Israel. Or you can put it this way. He hates Israel. Why? Because um, God's work of redemption has come through the nation of Israel the word of God has come through Israel, Messiah has come through Israel, and he is by no means done. He's going to do a bunch more work at some point, I believe soon, uh, where Yeshua is going to come and establish his kingdom, uh, not in Salt Lake City, <laughs> but in Jerusalem, right? Okay. Uh, Part of the picture is there is a balance um, between being paranoid, uh, paranoid, and being in denial. And it's possible to be both paranoid or to be in denial. What do I mean by that? Um, you know, if, if you've been around for a while, you might have seen a TV show with Flip Wilson. <laughs> right? A long time ago. And Flip Wilson. Huh? Flip Wilson show. Yeah, there you go. And Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. You know, and so this is paranoid. It's Meshuggi, which we all do from time to time. Uh, we feel kind of pressed. 
and we feel like uh, th 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 there's demons and, and behind every bush. Uh, the other ditch that we want to avoid is denial, where we say, um, yeah, there is spiritual warfare, um, you know, where people are doing Ouija boards and, and witchcraft and so on. Yeah, I get that, but I'm over here. You know, I'm, I'm just an ordinary uh, person, an ordinary follower of Messiah, uh, there's nothing special about me, no special reason why uh, dark powers of darkness have to mess with me. Well, um, the moment you and I sign on the dotted line and say to the Lord, I'm yours. Mm -hmm. Come into my life, be master of my life. The moment you do that, you enter into spiritual warfare. Um, why? Because, to one degree or another, what just happened to my marker? Um, ah, voila, okay. So the short version is yes. We're all engaged in it to one degree or another. Um, and this is not because we are unique, but Yes, we are special. We're special because we belong to the Lord, and because of that, uh, we obviously don't belong to the evil one. Okay? So this is part of reality for us, and it's it can be unsettling, can be scary, you know, to think that there's uh, powers of darkness that are involved in trying to do evil to us, powers that we can't see, but that are still very much involved. And so um, we want to take a, um, an approach that is, first of all, based on Scripture, and, and because of that, the focus is going to be on the Lord, not on Satan. Okay? Um, Part of the approach that people sometimes take is what I would call formulaic. Um, in other words, um, come up with special prayers that are designed to deal with darkness. Um, and, and I certainly don't minimize that, but my my personal conviction is that anything that is formulaic, at least for me, isn't that helpful because I need to know and understand what the principles are and based on the principles then uh, proceed, uh, proceed accordingly. So uh, sometimes people use formulas, other times people get very uh, hyper And again, there's a balance there. And the balance is that whatever we learn about spiritual warfare in the next six weeks, we want to be well-grounded, first of all, in who God is, and secondarily, in who Satan is. Okay? You're with me so far. All right. So, um, beginning point from where I stand... Uh, 
uh, is that we want to begin with, with who God is. Um, and secondarily, as I said, Satan. Uh, Satan, by the way, is from Hebrew Satan, which simply means an opponent. Okay? Um, so you can have a human who is a Satan, who is an opponent of somebody else. Um, but the, the emphasis for us then is on who God is. And if we understand who God is, then we'll have a clear understanding of spiritual warfare and who Satan is. So first of all, place to begin for us is the simple biblical reality that God has a plan and that he's sovereign, he's in control. So I want, to, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 46 and verses 8 to 10. By the way, um, our preference is not to pronounce God's name uh, simply because if you know the history of the language, uh, we really don't know for sure how to pronounce uh, that W-H-W-H, something like that. Okay. So much for that. Um, all right. So a basic point of reality is God's counsel or God's plan. Now, why do we need to park here on this on this numero uno issue? Why is that so crucial for us? Okay. What kind of foundation, Mary? Back to, to plan. God has a plan. And you say it is helpful for us? Think about crises that, that you have. When you run into a crisis, what are you inclined to do? Freak out. Freak out and what? Focus on it. Basically, the all-American 
approach, like it's auto mechanics. Uh, you have the, something, the car breaks down, you look to try and find out what's going on, you go get the part, you fix it. Well, that works in auto mechanics. It doesn't really work in life very well. Um, especially since the emphasis is where? On us. Me and what I can do, what I can do. Uh, which is problematic. Because you live long enough and you find out real quickly that your ability to do things is limited. You don't have the power. You don't have the power. You don't have the wisdom, the brains to take care of all kinds of stuff. And at some point you, you realize, hopefully quickly, that what really makes the difference is not you and what you can think and what you can do, but rather God and what he can do and what he thinks. And it begins, <clears throat> it begins with basic reality that God has a plan. Uh, can, people refer to that as God's sovereignty God's sovereignty refers to a couple of things. Uh, first of all, that he has a plan. And secondly, that he has the power to bring about that plan into reality. Now, why is that so crucial, coming back to uh, Mary's point? Simply because instead of when we are in crisis situation, instead of very quickly talking about me, what I can do, we back up and, and we learn to recognize that God is present, that God is active, that God is powerful. Well, last time I checked, yes. <laughs> than not, the answer is no. I really don't like God's plan. <laughs> and we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, we're beginning with ABC here. Um, so, this is a, a basic foundation. Now, coming back to Satan then, uh, his, uh, his numero uno is to try and frustrate God's plan. Um, and, and hinder what God wants to do. Now, we live in a world that has a lot of evil in it, right? And so, and it seems to be becoming more that way. And so because of that, we get the wrong impression that Satan is the one who is really fully in control. Now, we'll look at a couple of scriptures that talk about Yeshua's referring to Satan as the prince of the power of the air, meaning that he has authority, authority to rule, but his ability to rule is limited 
is limited by God. He can only do so much. And so we need to remember that, that he is working to frustrate God's plan. And second, and a major part of it, major part of Satan's strategy is to take our minds off God and his plan and his sovereignty and put it on on him uh, or on ourselves. But think about it. When our attention goes on us, who is really then in the one who is winning? <laughs> Satan, not, not us. We're foolish, we're silly in thinking that if we have the power and if we have the freedom, that we are really the ones who are doing that, what we don't understand is that there's a puppet master who's controlling our movements and saying to us, whispering sweet nothings into our ears, saying, uh, you have all the power, you have all the control, which is absolutely silly. Uh, and so that's, for example, what you see with the children of Israel, uh, all, all the centuries that our attention our attention instead of being in God and his plan and his strategy it was on idols and and scripture says to us that the idols the worship of idols is, is controlled by demons by the way demons if you're not familiar is simply another name another term for angels who are being controlled and directed by Satan okay um, so we begin with this simple reality. God is sovereign. Um, he has the plan. He has the power. And yes, at times it looks like it's not going anywhere. And we get frustrated and, and we lose hope or we stop believing because our eyes say to us, God isn't doing anything. But reality is we always need to come back to this and say, okay, God, Open my eyes to see you and to see what it is that you're doing. Uh, so the, verse, the verses that John read are very simplistic because the Lord is saying, my counsel will stand. Okay. In other words, what I determine is going to come about. Now, obviously, it doesn't uh, work into, into the... the, the uh, into the equation, the fact that God gives people freedom of choice, limited freedom of choice, but freedom of choice to do things that are stupid instead of going along with his plan and his strategy. And so because of that, uh, God's plan is delayed. Yes. Delayed, not derailed. Do you understand the difference? In other words, because of human rebellion, because of Satan's work, uh, God's plans may be delayed, but they're not derailed. They're not, they're not uh, uh, shoved off the rails. And so how all that works is sometimes beyond us, and that's okay. We don't we don't have to understand and be able to define everything, but we we always want to come back to the things that we do understand. Um, and 
one of the things, and we were praying about that earlier, um, John 5.17. Let's turn to that. Consistently, and there's a word uh, in Greek, a little Greek will, will do you here, uh, not only Hebrew, energeo, from which we get energy, and that means effective work. In other words, when God is working, he is not pretending, he's not play acting, he's doing the work effectively, the job gets done. And so there is a plan. And he is always working that plan. So even when we go through crises and difficult circumstances, we know that God is working his plan. Now what should that do for us in terms of how we view a particular crisis? Should provide comfort. Why? come to, to a big a big issue here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven letter word. Uh, and that's where we break our teeth a lot of times. It's because we're convinced that we have to have control. And because of that, we're not interested in giving God control. Because we figure that Okay, God, uh, in this area, maybe, you know, this is spiritual, religious, whatever, yours. In everything else, I manage, I'm the captain of my, of my ship, the, the master of my faith and all that rubbish. Um, both of you are raising the hands at the same time. Now, 
This is a, um, you, you mentioned a couple of things, control and fear. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, so I want to park here for, for a, a moment or so, because in order for us, okay, God has a plan, he is working the plan. In order for us to connect with God's plan, what does that mean? It means that we are willing to say to him, God, you have a good plan, you have the power to work that plan, your plan for me personally is a good plan. I want it. Therefore, I want to welcome you and give you control and and allow you to rule over me and and give you control. Hang on, Mary. And and this is where we come to uh, Yeshua's example. So a couple of scriptures in John 1... Um, John 4.34. And let's see. Yes, ma'am. Plain English, what does that mean? him, it nourishes him, it, it gives him power. So for Yeshua, what defined who he was, was his willingness to do God's will, to do the Father's will. Mary wanted to say it's all over. And Yeshua set the example of his relationship with the Father. And he set it before us going to turn to this scripture, but you're familiar with Yeshua saying, if anyone wants to be my disciple, let him take up his cross and follow me. Now, that doesn't mean to physically take the cross 
uh, Yeshua's death meant for him that this was the epitome, the, the absolute limit of the fact that he was willing to do anything and everything that God wanted him to do. Okay? And that's the example he left for us. That if we say we are following Yeshua, then the same thing has to take place with us. We have to have that radical commitment to do the Father's will. Radical. Uh, hang on. Which means uh, it's not 20%. It's 100%. Katrina. Yes, and that's something we'll also uh, talk about either later tonight or, or next week. But part of the picture isn't just us. It's what God wants to do in us and what God wants to do through us. Jorge. Like Katrina said, you know, sometimes we have a lack of trust, but the Lord says that hey, don't forget that you have a So the, the question then is, uh, where are we on the control issue? Um, and, and that's something each of us has to stop and say, okay, um, am I willing to give God absolute control? Am I willing to say, God, here are the keys to the house, to all the closets where all the cockroaches and spiders are? And you're welcome to come in and open the closets and clean them out. Uh, every single one. You've got the, the keys to the house, to the car, to everything. 100%. Or do we say, God, uh, you're okay here, but this area I can handle and no thank you. No trespassing sign. Which, when you stop and think about it, is incredibly silly. But that's what we do. So th that is uh, a defining issue for us. Who has control in their life? And as was mentioned, control is a fear issue. If I can control something, then I'm not afraid, which is incredibly silly. Maurice. Okay, I'm glad you asked. Uh, we're under construction, which means that none of us has arrived. Uh, none of us gives God 100% of the control at any and all times, but that's the goal. That's the goal for us. 
is to say, okay, uh, that's, that's where my nose is pointing. My nose is pointing that direction. Whether in a particular situation we ah, do, do one of these things or whether we are able to step back and say, okay, God, everything is cool, you're under control. That's part of a process. It's, it's a growth process. Um, but that has to be the goal. It has to be the goal for us. You know, if, if we are serious about what Yeshua said, um, follow me and, and, and do what I have done, and that is absolutely um, are committed to doing the Father's will, then sooner or later, that's the direction we'll be moving. It's a process. And we can either choose to operate in fear, and because of that, try to control things, or we can say we're going to trust God. And by the way, let me tell you something. The people that I found that are the most controlling are the people that are the most afraid. And I've, I, I'm sure you've had experiences with other folks who feel like I have to have this in place and this in place and this in place and that in place. Why? Because if they don't, they feel like everything is going to go topsy-turvy. Look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, what is so difficult? And why is it so difficult for us to stress and take away? Well, because, uh, simply because we believe lies. We believe lies about who God is, about his power and his love for us. We believe lies. We don't believe the truth that he knows us, he loves us, he has the power, he has the plan, he has the power. Because, because as we know and understand and, and live by that, then we shift more into trust and less into fear. And of course, that works with control. Now, something, we're coming back to spiritual warfare here. John 14, 30. Rabbi David, would you read for us, sir, please? Yes. First of all, the prince or the ruler, the world, and uh, what, what did the last part of, of your verse uh, translation say? He has no power. claim, power. power. Okay. Hold. Okay. Several things. Part of it is that this is reality. Yeshua recognizes the fact that there is spiritual darkness in this world. I mean, that I don't think any of us need to be 
need to go over that. And so he, uh, Satan uses people's rebellion against God and kind of pulls them by the nose without them really understanding that. Uh, and so that is the way he rules. World, Greek word cosmos, Uh, means a number of things, but uh, it obviously refers to the universe. But here uh, in, in John's gospel, whenever you see the word cosmos or world, uh, Hebrew olam hazeh, uh, it, refers not, it refers to the world system that is controlled by Satan. World system meaning the, the values... And, and the sin through which he is able to pull the levers. Now, then Yeshua said, he has no hold on me. Why does he say that? Because he's doing the Father's will. That's exactly it. Because Yeshua is absolutely 100% committed to doing God's will. There, Satan can get his 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 arm, you know. If, if if you know wrestling moves, you know that that wrestlers would try to get their their hands, you know, around someone's elbow and so on. Yeshua is saying, "There's nothing in me that Satan can grab and and throw in the mat because he is absolutely committed to doing the Father's will." So the question for us is. Do we want to be like Yeshua? If we want to be like Yeshua, then our goal is a radical obedience, radical surrender of our will to his will. And I mean radical. To where we don't say, God, you can have uh, 50% or 45% or, you know, etc., um, so when it comes to spiritual warfare, that's what this is about, folks, is that if we say we are committed to doing the Father's will absolutely, then regardless of what does happen or doesn't happen, difficulties, crises, sin, we say, God, you know me, you know who I am, you know what I'm about. I want to do your will. I want to be holy like you're holy. And and so even, even when you have Satan coming and whispering sweet nothings in your ear, like what's the matter with you? You're such a filthy sinner. Everybody is wonderful, but you're such a bunch of dirt. You step back and say, you're right. But, but the Father loves me. And he knows me, and Yeshua is at work in me redemptively so that I'm not the same place today as I was a year ago. Mary? It's sort of saying you have a counterattack. You can counter that attack because you have a relationship with God the Father, and you know Yeshua is So, so, it can help you because you think, well, 
You have a basic conviction. We talked about faith versus fear. You have a basic conviction that even though you may be a little retarded, and that's kind of the way I feel sometimes, um, God knows me, understands me, can talk to me in such a way that I can understand. And then I, I learn to hang back and say, okay, God, you somehow put this convoluted mass here in the brain, you can somehow manage to communicate what I need to hear. And then you wait for God to, to do that. Despite the fact that there's all kinds of fireworks. And as I, I think I mentioned earlier, that the last couple of weeks, I, I, I've, I've had all kinds of fireworks going on as far as spiritual warfare goes. <clears throat> And I, an absolutely rotten time for that to happen is we're coming to the, to the holiest of, ho of holidays. And yet somehow I, God gave me the grace to be able to step back and say, okay, God, you, you're working and I, I don't know what's going on and this is not fun and it's not comfortable, but you've got a plan here. And at some point, God gets through and does what he needs to do. And you're grateful and you say, thank you, Lord, for taking me through this and strengthening me, enabling me to, to go through. So the point is, uh, none of us looks perfectly pristine and awesome and wonderful at any given time. You know, we all struggle. And that's something... You hear a lot at Yeshua Tzion is that we're fellow strugglers. Not that we justify uh, our sin, but we recognize the fact that we're broken vessels and, and that what really makes the difference is not us, but Him. And that com comes back to not the prince, but to, to the king. That's what Paul was referring to when he realized, you know, he's about to die. He said, I fought a good fight. And this is the fight he was fighting all of his life, just like we do. And, you know, and what's amazing, and, and we'll, I don't think we'll talk about it tonight, what's amazing is you look at Paul and you think, here is Mr. Mack Truck, you know, or, or the, the, the Energizer Bunny or whatever. You know, he just kept on going, kept on going, kept on going. They stoned him and left him to die. And he gets up and goes to the next town and, and talks more about Yeshua. And, uh, and yet, there are a couple of places that I absolutely love where Paul says, you know, I had such a bad time, I lost hope. You say, wow, that's pretty cool. Not that he was suffering, but he simply wanted to remind us and the readers that we, are, we all struggle. We all struggle, and sometimes it seems like the struggle gets pretty intense. And yet, we, 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 we don't park here, we park here. The evil one has no hold on us because... We're committed to doing the Father's will. 
reign, he, he, I mean, there's a difference. He doesn't. It's in the same way, in the same way, the word, the word that are written up there, oh, just written. <laughs> the word that you wrote up there, you said it, it's the word prince. <coughs> like, it's not, it's not God, and it's not king. There's not, you know, let's not give more power than, than has already been given. It's not, it's not his. It's his, it talks about the world, but it doesn't talk about creation. You know, it doesn't talk about it all. It's and, not that he's, the prince has something that he reports to. Right. And, and this is the odd thing is, uh, folks, there are things about this that I frankly don't understand. And I don't need to understand. Uh, but somehow, uh, scripture says that, that Satan has to give an answer somehow to, to God. You see that in Job, you see that in, in Zechariah, but as time goes on, his degree of, of activity gets more and more intense because he knows the time is short. But this is something I wanted to point out. Uh, we sometimes operate as if God and Satan have the same degree of power. And that, folks, is where we really get into trouble. Uh, there was a, a, um, a Persian religion called Zoroastrianism where you had the, the god of light and the god of darkness and they were kind of duking it out. Uh, that's not reality for us. We know that at any given time, the Lord reigns. And so part of the picture is for us to learn that as we are committed more and more to the Lord and his plans, Satan has less and less pieces of us. So part of the inclination sometimes is to say, oh, what's wrong? Let me figure out what's going on here, here, here. And when we do that, we play into, into Satan's hand. Instead, we want to say, let me get closer and closer to the Lord. Let me grow in knowledge of him, because as that happens, we will have more and more of the power that we need to do, to do, not what we desire, but to, but to carry out the objectives and, and the plans that God has laid out for us to do. And a major part of that, and we'll probably uh, finish with this, uh, a major part of that is that God wants us to be able to look beyond us and, and how tied up in knots we are. He wants us to look beyond that into what he wants to do in us and through us. And part of what happens when we get tied up in knots, we can't see that. All we can see is me. I'm having a tough time. And God, do you care... What's happening to me? And the answer is yes, but. But. Uh, there's a plan that goes beyond you. Okay? Second uh, Peter chapter 3, and we'll finish with that.
verses, uh, verse 9. Let's just park there. And Katrina, if you have it. You're not ready. Okay. There's chesed for you. All right. Elmano. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some people think of slowness. On the contrary, he is patient with you. For it is not his purpose that anyone should be destroyed, but that everyone should turn from his sin. So what does that tell you? He wants us all. You know, part of the lies that are put out there about about who God is is the fact that he is angry. That all he wants to do is he sees us, he wants to nuke us. You know, dumb dumb sheep, dumb humans that they are, want to get rid of them. I, I'm, I'm frustrated with them. And, and reality is, when you look at Israel, you see that Israel, Israel is a poster child for God's mercy. And yes, there were times when God acted very severely, but then there were hundreds of years, hundreds of years, when the people of Israel were engaged in doing all kinds of garbage, all kinds of idol worship, all kinds of, bless you, it's all right, you can sneeze again. Um, the people of Israel were doing all kinds of garbage for hundreds of years, and the Lord was patient and patient and patient and sent out uh, prophets and said, "Stop it!" You know. And in fact, in Ezekiel 18, it's one of these incredible passages where the Lord is saying, "Why should you die? Why be stupid? Turn! You're going this way. You're you're about to fall off a cliff. Turn!" And come this way and live, and, and you see you see the the heart of God in these prophetic passages, where the Lord calls out to, to His people and said, "Stop it," um, because He wants people to turn. And the closer we get, and the, the more we get to know Him, we will share His heart for other people as well. We will no longer say, "God, I'm having a hard time." You don't seem to care, blah, 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 and more blah. And instead we'll say, okay, God, you know my issues, my struggles, you have answers. And you want you want to use me, you, you want to work through me to touch other people who need to experience the reality of who you are. And that, folks, is, is part of the picture, that spiritual warfare... It's not just about getting us crunched. Spiritual warfare is involving God's plan and will his plan continue in us and will God's plan continue through us. And at some point we get the bigger picture and we're able to see it and step back instead of being self-consumed and preoccupied with me and what's happening with me and so on and so forth. We, we realize that God has what it takes to take care of us, and then we realize that he
he has a heart that's much bigger. He wants to reach other people as well. So that's part of, of the plan. Yeah, Mayor? And we can be the conduit, or we can be the facilitator. We can bring it to others, by our example, and our, our prayer for them, and showing our steadfastness, whether they approve or not, of our worship or of our commitment. We have to rely on God. He just brought There's so many different criticisms come into play when you bring God into the picture in the center of the world. You know what I mean? That you're up against. Well, and, and that's that's part of the process. We'll be talking about what uh, some of what is involved in that. Um, but yeah, I, I like the word you use, conduit, the pipe, mm -hmm. that that God's mercy and God's grace flows through us and impacts other people. Again, ultimately, if we understand who the Lord is, um, we will focus not on ourselves or even focus on Satan or or, or, or what's happening, but we'll, we'll be focused on the Lord because we will understand that he is capable of handling us, handling everything else, and we'll say, okay, God, here is the control. All right, let's uh, finish. Sims. Father, we thank you that you loved us enough to give us your word to tell us what you are like, what you desire of us, and what you desire to do for us. We thank you tonight, Father, that we could gather here together and learn more about you and learn more about the love that you have for us, Father. And we thank you that you are what stands between us and the powers of Satan. We ask that you bury deep into our hearts the things that we've learned tonight and bring them to mind when they are needed. We ask that you watch over us tonight too as we leave this place and go to our separate homes and that you bring us back together next week so that we can even learn more about who you are. For these things we ask.